Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Caspar McLeod, and joining me for this episode is Fraser Douglas. Welcome back for another episode this season, Fraser. Hope you're doing well. Uh, be pretty happy with how the Swans went on Saturday night, mate, surely. Yeah, mate, thanks for having me, Casper. Um, yeah, I was going to say I'm, I'm uh, pretty chuffed off the weekend with the, um, the Swans getting over the line against the Ds, but um, it, the football world rolls on and I'm um, looking forward to having a chat with you, mate. Realise I've muted myself, so I'll repeat that last sentence. As always, lots to discuss, muted and unmuted. Let's stay unmuted for the rest of this, Casper. See if I can remember to do that. <laughs> um, dear listener, in case you are new, three different sections to the podcast. First section, we'll discuss highlights and lowlights from the last weekend of action. Then second section, we'll discuss the major talking, major talking points. And then we'll go section three, preview the second round of the by round, some monster matchups in round 13. 13, lucky for some, unlucky for others. But let's get started with round 12. Lots of big results, Fraser. I'll ask you first, what were your top two highlights? Pretty easy one this um, past week, Castle, with the highlights. Um, comes back to me with Sydney and Frio, their wins. Um, both, um, if you look at the last four weeks in a month block, both had a bit of a rocky start with... Um, both started with two losses is in case of Sydney, Gold Coast and Carlton and for Frio, Gold Coast and Collingwood. But um, really impressive on the weekend, um, Sydney and Frio. They're both really challenged. That first quarter for both teams, I thought um, Melbourne and Brisbane respectively were both easily the better team and looked like they were going to blow the game to pieces, to be honest. But in both cases, both teams responded um Really impressive, probably more impressed by Freo to be honest. Um, Melbourne obviously in a bit of um, bit of trouble at the moment. Um, quotation marks around trouble. They're still probably easily a top four team in the league for mine. But um, with Freo, um, obviously having that. Um, where in case of Sydney, they kind of often struggle to play their home ground, whereas um, Freo have that home ground factor over there in Perth. And um, I think Nat Fife will be returning this week, so. Plenty to be optimistic um, about over in um, over in the West with Ferro supporters. What about you, mate? What did you uh, what did you pick out for this weekend? Well, yeah, I I also picked out Fremantle in Sydney. Um, surprise, surprise, surprise! Great victory by both clubs, as as you've just touched upon. Um, I should say, how good are the Gold Coast Suns? If you mentioned very good two teams who have had an awesome last two weeks in Brisbane and Sydney. Uh, sorry, Fremantle and Sydney, and the Gold Coast Suns recently beat them. How good are these Suns? They could be playing final mm. football, potentially. Who knows? But that's besides the point. Three, uh, Fremantle lost to Gold Coast, lost by six goals to Collingwood, and people were thinking, hold on a second, right? Maybe pretenders, right? Fremantle, Fremantle fakers in 2022. And I was starting to doubt them just a little bit. And then they came out and they crushed Melbourne. They crushed him. They put him in a juicer and they juiced the life out of him and then drank them for sustenance. How about that for imagery? Great victory for Fremantle. And then to come out and do that, the same thing again against Brisbane, a team who last year beat them at the same venue by 64 points. I mentioned last week that this game against Brisbane was going to be the biggest 
test of how mature Fremantle are this year compared to 2021, and they've passed it with flying colours. Whereas the Swans, unconvincing victory, but a victory nevertheless. And I'd much rather the Swans be where we are at the moment with just four losses and a strong position to challenge for the top four. And now that those difficult games are out of the way, Swans got the second half of the season to launch into. Now, for me, the top two lowlights, very simply, has got to be number one, the Melbourne Football Club. I was not expecting Melbourne to be on the lowlights at all this season, but it's been a pretty shocking two weeks. Injuries are starting to catch up with them. Form starting to catch up with them. They have no, they won the premiership last year, and yet their fans are still going to the ski fields. Starting to think how many supporters Melbourne really has. Well, about 20,000 people showed up for the game against Fremantle, marginally better against Sydney. And I know it's two interstate teams, but come on. And then the news breaks that Stephen May and Jake Melcham decided to do a little bit of KSI v. Jake Paul action. <laughs> if anyone does not know what I'm talking about, by all means, spend about an hour on YouTube looking all that up. But nevertheless, May v. Melcham, the boxing, I know there was a big boxing match in Melbourne on the weekend, right? He had a visit in American coming, Marvel Stadium, tens of thousands of people coming from all around Australia to view it. But little did we know that the true boxing event of the week would be at a restaurant on Sunday night, Melcham versus May. And now May suspended, coming up against a dangerous Collingwood. Melcham needed to have a procedure done to help his hand after his hand got infected. And the captain of the football club has had to come out and try and defuse the situation. And now the, the alleged rumour, the alleged slur, the alleged slur, um, I, I, I should say, that Max Gorn has come out and said that it was not about the grand final. For those who don't know, it has been reported that Melksham uh, was told by May that had Melksham played in the grand final last year, Melbourne would have lost. And for those who don't remember, Melbourne won by 74 points. So that's a pretty savage insult. But Gorn has come out today and said that that is not what was said. But nevertheless, no matter what was said, it is a terrible look for a club that cannot get to its mid-season buy fast enough. Now, are they going to be okay in the long run? Sure. They had, a, they had a down period last year in the middle of the year where in about eight weeks they lost like three or four games and everyone was starting to doubt them. And then they came good at the end of the year. So they'll be fine. They'll finish top four unless, you know, the bottom truly falls out from under them. But it's a it's a terrible, terrible, terrible look for the club. And I'm also targeting the other grand finalists from last year, the Western Bulldogs. Arguably the biggest game of your season. You're playing at home against a team that is renowned for being unable to 
to have a strong defense against teams that move the ball quickly. You're playing at home on a ground where you are renowned for moving the ball quickly and scoring prolifically. And you, I think it was what, seven goals in the first quarter they conceded? And that was it. They folded like a deck of cards. Now, the top four race this year is going to be extremely tight. The top eight race this year is going to be extremely tight. I reckon, and I've done the AFL little uh, ladder predictor, I reckon there's about six or seven clubs fighting for the final two spots in the eight. The dogs cannot, cannot be dropping games like this, especially when they play Geelong later in the year in Geelong. Nevertheless, it was a shocking, shocking loss for the Bulldogs and a terrible start. What about you, Fraser? I agree more in regards to well, both of them, but especially the um, Stephen May, Jake Melksham incident. That was a really would have been a really disappointing start to the week for the football club and um, fans, obviously, especially coming off the first first losses in what I think it was eighteen weeks or something. First couple, so yeah, that would have been pretty flattening for um, for all comers there. In terms of another um, low light. Um, a good one, as you said, the dogs couldn't agree more there. Um, I think the last time we were on, we kind of spoke about how the dogs had started the year really slowly and um, they've strung, they strung together a couple of wins there, but then to get blown out by Geelong in the fact, in the facet that they did was just nowhere near good enough. Another low life of mine, um, North Melbourne season just continues to go, just get worse and worse. It's kind of unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's hard to believe. Um, last week was no good. And then you look, the thing about when you've got a team struggling so much like North Melbourne, there isn't the um, young talent there that's going to make it good enough in two to three years. It's going to be, a, it feels like it's going to be a long time. And we've been saying that already for, for two years. I think they've lost their last eight games by 40 points or more. And that's like borderline uncompetitive. And if we didn't have um, West Coast languishing at the bottom alongside them, um, yeah, the media scrutiny would be on another level. Um, In terms of another one, um, kind of thought I'd change tack this week and um, have a look at um, TV and footy. Um, Footy Classified started their show. This is kind of on the, the North Melbourne kind of train. They started their show. I don't know if you saw this. Jason Horn Francis liked a Instagram post with a trade um, like rumor, including himself. Um, I think it was Zach Butters. So kind of swapping those two from North Melbourne to Port Adelaide. And he liked it. And look, you can point the fingers at players like that, especially when he's in his first year. He's obviously sort of probably not a great, not a great look, not a great move. Certainly not. But at the same time, if we're serious about journalism in football and we're opening shows with players, Instagram likes on what is supposed to be a hard hitting football um, show. Um, I think we got to kind of look what we're doing to be honest. So yeah, footy classified and take a name out here. You're on, you're on at about 3am every morning. So not sure anyone watches anyway. So yeah, that's, that's about my low lights anyway, mate. And um, yeah, let's, let's look at some more positive stuff. Damn. And I thought, I thought Stephen May was savage. <laughs> oh, shots fired. That is cold, Fraser. That is very, very cold. Um, look, as in regards to that's an interesting point, right? I think 
if if that's the biggest football story that you can lead a show with, then yes, I think perhaps the fact that uh, that's potentially problematic. But at the same time, especially when you're young, right? And I get it as a young person, right? It's kind of difficult to understand the fact that what we do on social media has a greater impact. But that's even more so when you're in the public eye, right? Like in the public eye, I am no one, right? I am no one. We we are compared to Jason Horn Francis, number one draft pick, you know, the savior of North Melbourne, North Melbourne's Messiah, the next Malcolm Blight, the next, you know, all these things, right? I kind of feel like, and if the club hasn't done this, then maybe this should be a criticism more so of North Melbourne. But surely the club would have explained to him <laughs> the importance of what you do on social media, reflecting on not just yourself, but on the club as well. Surely. And even if they don't, then surely he could have used his brain to go, if I like this tweet that says that I should get traded to Port Adelaide, then that is going to ignite a massive bonfire under the uh, the stacks of twigs and logs and sticks that is North Melbourne's season at the moment. I, I mean, I clearly agree in that, in that sense. It's just that when we had a story, like you say, with the Melksham May thing, and that was still our top story leading off um, one of, supposed to be one of our best footy shows that is one of the few on free-to-air television these days. Um, yeah, not great. Not at all that it's uh, not that I condone such a such a decision and something I definitely wouldn't have done. And I don't think you would have done it either, mate. And I don't think many people would have done in the position. It's, I mean, it's comparable to um, if you were liking or sharing um, a rival employer employer's um, statuses or whatever on your social media, like just doesn't really make sense. And it's a bit of a strange decision, especially in your first year. And it kind of shows that, yeah, the wheels are well and truly off at um, Arden Street. Mm, indeed. Now, um, I want to mention this guy, the player that surprised me the most. Um, if you've got a player who surprised you the most, Fraser, I'll go to you after this. Um, also in that game, Golko says North Melbourne. This guy taken uh, at, in, I think, the 2020 draft. He's only 20. He's played 11 games, 10 of them this year. Alex Davis. Right. Now, granted, small sample size, but still career best numbers in a number of key categories, including disposals, marks, uh, fantasy points, dominated in terms of his season average in a bunch of other statistics like tackles. He even won a couple of hit outs, 425 meters gained, 16 disposals, four tackles, three marks, kicked a goal, four clearances. He's only 20 years old. In the VFL, there was a young player taken last year at pick number five named Mac Andrew, who cannot break into this team. Imagine saying that when he was drafted, that midway through the year, you're drafted by a club that has historically struggled and that your club will be doing well enough and everyone will be playing well enough that you can't get a game, despite the fact that you are clearly talented enough to that is a massive massive congratulations to the Gold Coast Suns and a massive 
um, uh, a massive um, reason for that is because of the performance of youngsters like Alex Davis. Lockie Weller, nasty injury on the weekend, key player for the Gold Coast Suns. But if young players like Davis can continue to put up the numbers that he's putting up, the Suns can absolutely cover for it. Great call on the Suns. And I'm happy to turn this into a Gold Coast appreciation podcast if we want to. Um, especially on Mac Andrew, completely agree. I don't know if you saw that chase down tackle oh, he had on the weekend. Unbelievable. Sensational athleticism on show there. And um, credit to you also, mate, for actually watching that game. I don't know how you did it. Um, um, I caught a little bit of it on when I was at the at the footy watching the um, Swans and D's VFL beforehand. It was on a few of the screens there, which was um, which was handy. But um, yeah, credit to you there. In terms of a player that um, kind of caught my eye over the weekend, um, one of the better games I've seen this guy play, Darcy Fogarty. Mm. Um, he had Tex Walker coming back into the side and play a similar style. So it was kind of easy to. Um, imagine that Fogarty would kind of um, struggle with um, the presence of Walker back in that forward line, but it was probably one of the, it was one, if not one of the best games um, he's played, definitely up there. Um, had 12 disposals, 75% were effective, three goals, one direct goal assist, six score involvements, five marks, three of which came inside 50. And he looked like he really belonged. There was obviously that kind of question mark over him where, whether um, that came to, um, to fitness or consistency. Um, but the way he presented at the ball and kicked the ball really reminded me of Taylor Walker. So, and we've obviously seen in the last um, fortnight or so, there's been rumors about um, whether Taylor Walker might be on the move next year, which um, yeah. probably does make sense with the list profile that Adelaide has. But um, Foggy, um, by the way, looks more and more like a ready-made um, replacement. Obviously, that's, those are big shoes to fill, but um, positive signs for the forward line. Um, of Adelaide going forward. Mate, fully agree with you there, um, especially with how young they are, as you mentioned. Now, before we go on, there's a couple of dishonourable mentions that I feel like I should mention for my lowlights. Uh, that free kick, I don't know if you saw it, but the Darcy Moore in the goal, defensive goal square, right? I'm, I think he had his legs taken out from under him, actually, from memory. And yet, right, he's... Right, punch the ball through and then he gets done for, and the umpire who caught it was like a hundred meters away <laughs> i was having a chat went to get a hairy the other day i was having a chat with a couple of the hairdressers and granted they're collingwood supporters but still they reckon that if you are an umpire and you're not there at the contest or at least around in the vicinity of it, that you should absolutely not be allowed to call a decision. And you know what? I kind of agree with you. It is ludicrous. The I um, but sorry, I say I agree with you. I know it wasn't you. I mean, I agree with my hairdresser. <laughs> um, shout out, by the way, if the hairdresser is listening, best hairdresser in Melbourne. Um, it's ridiculous. How on earth, right? And I've got bad eyesight, so I can barely see, like, clearly 20 metres away from me. But how on earth can an umpire, unless they have, like, Superman vision, how can you see 100 metres away, right, in the rain, 
You've got the crowd behind you. How on earth, do, how, how can you see? I don't get how you can see and make that kind of decision. And I don't understand umpires who are, and they always do that in every single game. You'll get at least one instance of an umpire that's in the next state making the decision. I don't understand how that's happening. The umpire might as well have been in bloody Palestine. <laughs> Seriously. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. How uh, uh, it's uh, just absolute ludicrous decision and sh- shock horror, it was the wrong decision, right? That's not the worst umpire mistake I've ever made. I still reckon last year there was a North Melbourne Collingwood game where a North Melbourne player tried to have a shot on goal from 50 metres out and completely butchered it and it went off the side of his boot and it dribbled out out of bounds and the umpire paid that deliberate. (laughs) Why would a player, if they're kicking the ball inside 50, why would they want to get the ball out of bounds? That makes zero sense whatsoever. This makes zero sense whatsoever. Why would Darcy Moore try to give away a sliding free kick? I don't understand. The umpire is ridiculous. And the other one, so West Coast ended up having an honorable loss, but that was as bad a start to a game I think I've ever seen. Perhaps best summarized, right? The, the, the fate of the two teams, right? And Adelaide's not a good team this year. They're okay. They're not good. The fate of these two teams, perhaps best summarized in two moments from their big forwards. Taylor Walker in the dying seconds taking a great specky over Shannon Hearn. And then in the first quarter, Josh Kennedy dropping the easiest mark I think I have ever seen. I reckon if my dead nan came back to life holding a baking tray of goodies and she tried to catch that ball, she would have done a better job at marking it than Josh Kennedy did. And then he picked it up and he kicked it behind. He was 10 metres out and he missed how did that happen? How does that happen? The Ugh. heat has been on Darlene a lot this year and for good reason. But goodness gracious me, man. And I thought that that Josh Kennedy moment, the other Josh Kennedy moment a couple of weeks ago when he knocked out that Carlton player was going to be the worst moment of the season involving a player called Josh Kennedy. But apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, I saw that myself, mate. Um, I managed to catch most of that Adelaide West Coast game, and well, I don't know how you sat through that. Gee, there was some there were some rough moments there. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll give you that. It's probably on par with the with the North Melbourne performance later in the day. So yeah, and on on the umpiring, even in the Sydney Melbourne game, there was just a few moments, and obviously the end of that game. I'm a Sydney supporter, mm. and probably shouldn't have won to be honest. It's kind of gifted to us with a couple of free kicks late, but. Um, at the same time, there was so many, there was plenty of moments where, especially Matt Stevick, he like took control of the game. He'd like pay five free kicks in about a minute. And I was like, what is going on? And um, yeah, I mean, you can almost have a every every week, just a regular low light, just umpiring in general. But um, not that we're into umpire bashing, but. Um, no, look, right. Umpires deserve respect, just like everyone else. Absolutely. Now, a couple of players who. And granted, right, I don't know these players personally, right? As an Essendon supporter, I don't really like them. But I can admit the fact that they, they're they very, very talented young men, right? They have a bit of a reputation for perhaps over-accentuating free hits, 
you know, acting a little bit, trying out for the Oscars, right? Just a little bit. I'm talking about, of course, Jack Ginevan and Cody Waitman. However, it seems like the umpires have caught on because there were a couple of free kicks that were actually there against both of them that the umpires did not pay. And so I want to ask you, Fraser, how should Jack Ginevan and Cody Waitman respond to them not receiving free kicks? Because to me, it seems like the league is sending a message to those two young men in particular. The thing about um, playing for free kicks that I find is it's something that very rarely you can add to your game overnight or in between seasons. Ginevan and Waitman have both grown up playing that way. Um, they can they can do it well. They're both great at drawing high tackles and other free kicks. Um, my advice to them, not that, not that they're listening to my advice, but I'd say continue to play your game and let your game do the talking. That would be what I would say. They both have obviously AFL level talent. Um, we've seen them make impacts. Um, um, in plenty of games this year and um, in the case of Waitman um, last year. Um, just because a 50-50 free kick doesn't go their way um, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to have a, a strong impact in a game. They're both really good players. Um, in terms of the umpiring kind of sending a message, often I find when this kind of thing happens, especially when it's there's a lot of media talk about both players in this case. I'm pretty sure both of them have, have talked about it themselves, which is never a good move addressing this kind of thing themselves. Um, I would say, let it, let it, let it live, let it die over the next couple of weeks. And I'd be surprised if they're not back drawing the same free kicks they were drawing a month ago in a couple of weeks time. Hmm. I reckon, right. If you take someone who has allegedly played for free kicks his entire career, someone like Joel Selwood, right? I reckon the league and the umpires understand that Joel Selwood doing that dip in the knees, shrugging the shoulders up, right? Ducking, basically, is a bad look for the game, right? But you can't tell Joel Selwood to not do that now, right? He's been doing it since 2007. Right, it's 2022. You can't do that, right? That ship had sailed long ago. It's left the harbor. Can you be quiet? Motorbike outside my flat. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Jack Ginevan and Cody Waitman, however, right, were only born five minutes ago. So you can absolutely teach them to say, hey, that is not acceptable, all right? This is not a soccer game in the EPL, right? You do not dive in this sport, right? And get paid millions and millions and millions. I'm not saying they're getting paid millions and millions, but you get what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. This is not the Oscars, right? You're not up for best actor. You're here to play football. Let your football do the talking. And when they do let their football do the talking, they are some of the most talented youngsters in the competition. So I'm just simply saying, as I reckon... It's a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky little, little just hint, little tap on the shoulder from the competition to say, hey, that's not on and you're making the competition look bad. Now, on to uh, a team that's making, sorry, 
before we get to that. Speaking of making the competition look bad and teams look bad, the Melbourne Football Club. A bit too harsh. No, Melbourne Football Club in the last couple of weeks, right? I want to ask you this, Fraser. Um, should Melbourne be worried about their form dip, their form little slip up amongst the myriad of other problems that have all of a sudden sprung up? I want to ask you, right? Last year they had a little dip in form. The Tigers in 2017 had a little bit of dips in forms occasionally. The Hawks in 20. 20- 15 had a pretty iffy start to the year before correcting themselves. The Swans in 2005 had a pretty meh start to the year. Melbourne have had a very good start to the year by comparison. So it's not like the Swans in 05 or the Tigers in 2017 or the Hawks in 2014 where they had an iffy start to the year and they had to play catch up. They already have a very solid base. So I want to ask you, right, nevertheless, dangerous Collingwood coming up. They played Brisbane in round 15. I want to ask you, with the serious livelihood that by the end of round 15, they could have four losses on board, should they be worried? Uh, My answer is no. Um, I think the kind of confidence that team has that you would have developed from the way they finished last year, winning a grand final by 70-odd points, and the way they started this year, kind of confidence that that team and that club would have, despite obviously a pretty grim couple of weeks and a pretty grim last 48 hours, um, it would still persist in my mind. Um, I can't imagine for the life of me that they're at panic stations right now over a ridiculous decision by Stephen May and Jake Melksham and a, and a tough couple of losses to two at least top seven sides, I would have thought, and in the case of Fremantle, a top four side at this stage. Um, I'm still bullish on Melbourne. Um, I still think their ceiling is way higher than anyone else's in the league. Clayton Oliver is having a sensational year, and Max Gorn was genuinely taking the piss on the weekend. Um, That's one of the better games I've seen live in a long time. Uh, so in the case of um, whether they should be worried, I would say no. And I can't imagine for the life of me that they would be worried either. What about you, Matt? What do you think? It's a tough run coming up in the fixture. I'm just saying it's a tough run. They played Collingwood, the only team to not lose to them in 2021. And they were terrible last year, Collingwood. Now they're really good. They play them again, right? Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. They have the bye. They play Brisbane in round 15. Who knows what's going to happen in that game? They play the Crows in Adelaide. Adelaide always play better in Adelaide than outside of Adelaide. How many times can I say Adelaide in the space of one sentence? <laughs> they then play Geelong in Geelong. They always struggle to play the Cats at the Cattery. They then play uh, Port Adelaide. They should win in the Northern Territory. Then they play the Dogs at Marvel Stadium and the Dockers. God, that's a really tough run. Huh? I mean, I know they won the Premiership last year, but looking at it, they played Collingwood by Brisbane, Adelaide, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Dogs, Dockers, Pies, Blues, and then Brisbane at the Gabba. That's really tough. It is. That is really tough. Only saving grace, I reckon, is that they play all bar three... Uh, 
one, two, three, four, five games in that stretch away from Victoria. And they play really well in the Northern Territory. They should win that game. They'll probably start favorites against the Crows. But that's a really tough fixture. All of a sudden, Melbourne looks very vulnerable. So I'm just saying, right, not panic stations just yet. But the, the little the little glass enclosure, the little glass case surrounding the red button, I reckon somebody's reaching for the hammer just to, just in case they need to break it, just in case they need to, you know, they're gathering rations to go into the panic room, right? Now, on to the next talking point. I want to ask you this. Three teams on top of the ladder. Melbourne, Brisbane, Fremantle. Melbourne with only two losses, one less than both Brisbane and Fremantle. Brisbane's losses have been by very little compared to Melbourne's losses that have been quite comfortable, Fremantle's losses that have been even more comfortable. But Fremantle have beaten both Melbourne and Brisbane. I want to ask you, Fraser, at this moment in time, who should be considered premiership favourites out of the three of them? Uh, I think you know the answer to this for me, mate. It's Melbourne. Um, really bullish on them still. When, you, when I look at this kind of question, I look at it based on ceiling. And for mine, these three teams probably have the highest ceiling, especially for Freer when you counter in the, um, the, the, home, the home ground fan advantage that they have. And obviously, Melbourne and Brisbane do too. Brisbane have been, uh, I think they won 15 of their last 16 at the Gabba. And obviously, Melbourne in recent times have, Although not the last two weeks, but before that were genuinely um, close to unbeatable at the MCG. So those, I'm definitely agreeing with you that those three are probably the premiership favourites right now. Um, I'd have Melbourne first, um, Brisbane next, followed by Frio. Obviously, Frio knocked off Brisbane on the weekend, but I feel like um, the ceiling of Brisbane is that one one step up um, from Fremantle. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, mate. Obviously, you've um, listed off Melbourne's run home, which is which is really tough. Um, and obviously they only have a one game um, lead on the ladder from Frio and Brisbane now. So that top one, two spot isn't guaranteed. So now I'm kind of looking for you to enlighten me on what your thoughts are. Well, the way that I look at it is that Fremantle out of the three of them, I think have the best home ground advantage. Oh, actually, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. No, that's not true. <laughs> I think this is really tricky, right? Because I've got like several different, I've got several different perspectives that I'm shifting through in my head at the moment. Um, Brisbane have the best home ground advantage out of the three of them, right? So out of if I would rather play either Melbourne at the MCG or Fremantle in person play Brisbane at the Gabba. Um, with that being said, I trust at the moment I trust Fremantle more on the road, and I trust them more at home more often, if that makes sense, to win to win more comfortably, I think. Because I think what yep. Brisbane, the problem with Brisbane is that they're winning, but they're just winning, like which is fine because all they've got to do is get the four points, but they're not winning convincingly. And they're winning not convincingly against teams that they should absolutely hammer. So perhaps most recently, that game against GWS. You know, Giants going very poorly, got rid of their coach, and the Lions give them eight first quarter goals. And they only win by less than 20 points. But that should, they should absolutely crush them, right? They should have crushed the Crows. They should have beaten West Coast by even more, which is a sad indictment on the Eagles that you look at a 75-point loss and say, yeah, that probably should have been worse. Fremantle, on the other hand, when they win, 
I trust that they can win convincingly. Not only that, but I trust that they can win narrowly too, which is probably more than I can say for either Brisbane or Melbourne. And it's interesting, on the Ds, they've only played out of teams inside the top eight. They've only played Richmond. They've only played St. Kilda. They've played Fremantle and they've played Sydney. That's only four teams so far. And they've lost two of them. It's not that great of a record. Fremantle, in the meantime, they beat Geelong in Geelong. Who would have thought that at the start of the year? They beat Carlton by five goals, six goals, which this year is really, really impressive. They beat Melbourne, for crying out loud, by almost 40 points. They beat Brisbane. So for me, at the moment, off of form, off of their run home, I reckon Fremantle's got a more favourable draw. Oh, no, it's, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. But I trust Fremantle can handle their tough run home better than Melbourne can. Briefly looking at Brisbane's run home, there's some potential gotcha games that might be tricky. Um, I trust Fremantle more. They're playing better. Um, even with Michael Frederick not playing, what was he thinking? Even with him not playing this weekend, they should comfortably handle the Hawks. Um, the only caveat is for Fremantle that they are such a young team that they, I think, are probably more susceptible to just slipping up occasionally. We saw that against Gold Coast. We saw yep. that against Collingwood. But Definitely. with that being said, off of current form, you can't. I don't know how you look past Fremantle. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, right? look, had the, has the rose-colored glasses on, I suppose. Look, look, right, I'm just saying, right, everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but I'm saying that your opinion on this is wrong. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, we shall see. We shall yeah, see. We shall see. We shall see, indeed. Um, on to the other end of the top eight, two teams that I was not expecting to be anywhere near the top eight conversation but all of a sudden find themselves very nicely poised for a, uh, a challenge to finals football this year, the Gold Coast Suns and Collingwood. Fraser, I want to ask you, out of these two teams, who's most likely to play finals in 2022? Well, you seem to be the, uh, the run home uh, or draw expert, mate, based on what you've, sa- you've said so far. So I'm interested to hear what your take is. But I thought that... Um, Collingwood had the easier draw, and obviously they have a game in hand on the Suns. Plus, we've also got um, the Dogs and the Tigers um, level with the Suns on six wins. They're all grappling for that um, for that same spot. Um, it's so tight in that in that window there from like six to six to ten. So it is going to come down to those kind of games between those two sides. So in the case of Collingwood and Gold Coast, they play each other in round 16 and that could have a, a huge bearing on what happens there. I'd have to say Collingwood. I think Collingwood has a little bit more um, class about them. I went to the game um, when they played this year and Collingwood felt like they had um, another gear on the Suns, but the Suns have obviously really frowned into form and who's to say they couldn't um, knock them off if they um, um, were to play um at Metricon next week, but um, round 16, that'll be um, really interesting. It's a Saturday night clash too, um, which is um, which is good. It should um, generate some, um, some good viewers, so I'm looking forward to that one. What about you, mate? Who are you uh, leaning towards? It's interesting, right? Looking at the fixture, 
Uh, Collingwood obviously played top of the table, Melbourne, but this is probably the best time to play them. Definitely. After that, they've got a run around 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and potentially 20, six games in a row, where off of current form, you would say that they are favourite to win. And that's GWS uh, at the MCG, Gold Coast in Queensland, North Melbourne at the MCG, Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, the Bombers at the G, and the Power at the G. So with all that, they are probably going to start favourites in all that. And look, I'm not saying that they are going to win those games, but I'm saying if they need, to, if they're going to play finals football, they've got to bank as many of those wins as possible because the last three games are going to be brutal for them, right? They've got Melbourne, who by that point will probably have players back from injury. If last is anything to go by, that was around the same time that they started to rediscover some form before their finals success. They then play the Swans in Sydney, um, granted, with how poor the Swans play in Sydney, maybe maybe Collingwood would be favourites in that one too. Easy win. <laughs> and then this could be the game that decides eighth spot and decides who gets in the finals or who gets inside the top four, top six, etc. Carlton versus Collingwood at the MCG. People would be saying, put that on Friday night, put that on Saturday. I reckon put that on Sunday, 3.20 p.m. You'll still get a good crowd out there. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. that way... Almost at the last possible minute, we won't know where these two teams are in terms of finals race, probably. They'll be so exciting. Compare that. So relatively easy stretch after the bye. Tough run home after that. Gold Coast, on the other hand, have the bye this week. Play the Crows around 14. Should probably win that. They play Port Adelaide, who off current form, you would say they should probably win that game. They haven't beaten Port Adelaide since 2011, since that game where they came from 40 points down to win their first match after Justin Westhoff missed after the final siren. Oh, no. That long ago, right? That long ago where they had to hold, they had to have a guy whose job was to hold up a board with the lyrics in the because they hadn't sung it before, right? That's how long ago it was, and the power have always beaten them convincingly since then. That could be a danger game for them. They then played Absolutely. Collingwood, Richmond. They should beat the Bombers quite comfortably in round eighteen. They then play the Lions, who have crushed them every single time they've played them since about the middle of twenty eighteen. They then play the Eagles, who they should win, especially because it's in Queensland, and the Eagles are allergic to anything from Queensland. Um, they play the Hawks in Tasmania. Look, it's a really tough run home for the Gold Coast Suns. If the Suns make finals football, they well and truly earned it, right? And I know they've had an easy run of late, but that's a ridiculously difficult run home. So based off of their run home and run home alone, I would probably say Collingwood. Now, on to the, I think we've touched upon everything we have. On to Round 13, lucky for some, unlucky for others. Starts on Thursday night football, Richmond versus Port Adelaide at the MCG. They'll probably get about forty to 50000 for this one because it's on a Thursday night. But nevertheless, Fraser, I want to ask you this. Can the Tigers continue their good momentum? Can Port claim a big scalp? Uh, good good match. Good match. Good um, match of... Um... Good few matches this weekend. Um, now that we've seen Sydney knock off Melbourne, um, that Sydney loss doesn't look so bad for Richmond. 
Um, Richmond is still a top eight side when fully fit for mine. Although this year, the way it's looking, they might still miss out because of how bunched up it is um, for that eighth um, for that eighth spot. Um, and when while they're not fully fit yet, um, Port Adelaide did really struggle when they last travelled to Victoria, and they were um, easily handled by the Cats on that occasion. But albeit was down at the Cattery, very hard to win down there. Um, Richmond probably not Geelong. I think we know. I think that's a that, that's a fact at this stage. But they do know how to play the MCG really well. They've won five from their last six at the venue. Um, they should give them um, make make a really good account of themselves off the bye. I've got the targets by twelve, but should be a really good start to the round. What about you, mate? What are you thinking? Well, I'm just having a look while you're having a chat, and I know that this is unfair because you didn't have the teams to look at before making your pick, but the teams have been announced. Oh, so beauty. for the Tigers, in Noah Bolter, Judson Clark, and Marlian Pickett out, Morris Rioli, uh, Jason Kostagna, Jack Ross, all omitted, and Noah Cumberland as well. Now on to Port Adelaide. The teams, uh, the inclusions are just one change. Jones comes in and out comes Hayes. Jones is a really welcome inclusion for Port Adelaide. Great, great, great player, great captain for them. But it's at the MCG. If it was at the Adelaide Oval, I would tip Port. But it's at the MCG. The Tigers, especially against interstate teams, are almost impossible to beat at the MCG. Almost impossible, right? That's why the Swans, when they won their last year, was so surprising. I am tipping the Tigers by 16 points. I think it will be a good game. Wouldn't be surprised if it's super low scoring because I think it's supposed to bucket down with rain tomorrow. But, yeah, hopefully hopefully it's a good game of football. Um, and hopefully Friday night is too, though I'm far less confident about this game being a good game of football. I'm going to this match. <laughs> That's my second game of football for the year. Um, it's the old enemies. Essendon celebrating their 150th year in the competition. 150 years of football success, of premierships after premierships after premierships, and amongst, amidst, I should say, the most disappointing season that Essendon has had in a very long time. We play a Carlton team who is breathing fire at the moment. Now, all logic should say that the Blues should win and win comfortably. They have comfortably beaten every single terrible team that they've played this year, the Blues. But with that being said, I just can't bring myself to do it. I cannot bring myself to tip Carlton in this game. (laughs) For no other reason than it's our 150th game, we should be getting players like Stringer back into this and back into our teams. Uh, back into our team for this one. Jacob Wiedering is still out. If he was playing, then I would be confident that Carlton would win. But I think he's that important of a player that I reckon there's a chance in this one. I'm tipping the Bombers by two points. Can you tell I'm confident? I can indeed. Um, yeah, it's a tough one uh, for the for the Bombers fan. I've caught, um, I've caught Carlton a few times this year. I just feel like they've got far too much offensive firepower. Um, especially compared to Essen. I think you make a great point with Weedering. Um, similar to Stephen May, in a sense, I think. Um, really helps um, straighten them up down back. But um, I feel like you still need to kick a reasonable score. And I'm not sure Essen can do that, albeit um, even with um, a potential Jake Stringer return. Um, Carlton averages, I think, 100, might be 102 points 
um, for the per game this year, whereas Essendon is this is grim. I think it's sixty five points per game. That's almost forty points say, difference. A hundred, a hundred point two points per game. That's about what we can see per match. Yeah, I think that was about right if I remembered my stats correctly. So um, give me the Blues in a wire to wire six goal win. Can't see you getting close, mate. Unfortunately, you know, no. You know what? Uh, that's fair enough. I can kind of picture it. You know, I've been watching a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean recently with everything that's in the news. I've been watching of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's been on my mind a bit. And there's that scene in the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie where, for reasons that I won't get into because it will take me an hour to explain, <laughs> Jack Sparrow is holding up a jar of dirt, and he's standing in front of David Jones on the black pole, standing opposite him on the Flying Dutchman going, I've got a jar of dirt, I've got a jar of dirt, and guess what's inside it? And then David Jones unleashes his cannons, right? I kind of feel like Essendon's jar of dirt is Jake Stringer potentially being back. <laughs> like, look, we've got Jake Stringer back, we've got Jake Stringer back, we've got... And then all of a sudden, Carlson just unload, open up all their cannons on us. Yeah, that sounds about right to me, man. I think you've uh, kind of nailed it. It might be the most uh, perfect analogy you've ever done on the Through the Banner podcast. So, well, hey, well, you know well. what? If I do, if I'm allowed to, if I'm allowed to toot my own horn, I'm pretty proud of my analogy. So, you know, well, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank well you. Well played. Well played. Um, thank you very much. Uh, listen, by the way, if you want to continue listening to it, these podcasts, I've always got great analogies. Join us next week. I know we're still midway through this one, but join us next week to see what analogies I further come up with because I don't know what I'm going to say before I say it. So I don't even know half of the time what I'm going to say before I start hitting record. Anyways, um, on to the next game on the footy calendar. Uh, Fremantle will be Hawthorne, sticking with the nautical theme. Um, I think this is fairly simple. Frederick coming out. It was looming as a potential selection headache for the Dockers, but potentially him and his silly indiscretion might have made it really, really simple. Frederick out, Fife in. I mean, surely, right? Like, surely that's what they do. Um, I think this is probably the simplest game of the round. I think Fremantle by 40 points. Don't think I have to explain it too much. Completely agree, mate. Um, Fremantle continue to get contributions from all over the ground. And um, while Hawthorne, they're obviously devoid of any as it feels, um, absolute superstars. They're a solid team um, and they do spread the load themselves quite well um, too. But at the same time, I don't think they have the class needed to knock off a, a real, what will be a really confident Freo team over in the West. Um, might be a little bit more of a different story if we were playing in, in Tassie or somewhere like that. But um, yeah, Freo, too strong, five goal win, I think. You know, it's interesting, right? For the longest time, whenever Hawthorne played Fremantle in Tasmania, and I promise there's a reason why I'm bringing this up, it was like the only reason why if you were a Fremantle player you would get on that plane would be to experience what cold weather is like. <laughs> get down to Tasmania, experience cold weather, go back home and tell your mum, hey, mum, I experienced cold weather for the first time. Oh, really, sweetie? What was that like? Oh, yeah, no, it's bloody freezing. Anyways. That's my impression of a Fremantle player getting on a plane just to experience cold weather and then Good coming play. back. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. you. Used to do acting if you couldn't tell. Anyway, um, <laughs> until last year when Fremantle beat Hawthorne at the ground that used to be the House of Pain, right? The House of Pain, Monaco for West Coast home ground for years and years and years, right? It used to be the House of Pain for Fremantle to play in Launceston and yet they came into Launceston and they... Smacked Hawthorne around. They just, 
you can't see this, dear listener, but I'm 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 smacking my two hands together in case you couldn't tell. They they went like that. They just went nice. Great connection. Thank you. Um, and now they're playing in Perth, right? It could be even uglier than forty points. I feel like I'm being a little bit generous. This could be. Maybe not quite 100 points, but this could be 60, 70, 80 points. Okay, there you go. Could be a shellacking. So, yeah, not that I condone betting, but take the over in this one. (laughs) On to the other Saturday game, and by far the more interesting one. Brisbane versus St. Kilda at the Gabba. The Lions really struggling for form. And yet the Saints, hmm, I still have a problem with St. Kilda that they don't play four quarters of football consistently, right? They get by with playing two and a half quarters of football, right? And yet that two and a half quarters of football is enough for them to be, what I think, fifth on the ladder at the moment, which is insane. Um, look, I don't know if this is an upset or not, considering uh, – actually, let me just check if it is an upset. Uh, it is an upset, according to um, the bookmakers at Sportsbet, and again – don't condone betting, right? I'm tipping the Saints by a goal. I think it's going to be a good game of football, right? Saints haven't beaten the Lions at the Gabba in yonks, in yonks. But droughts always come to an end sooner or later, and I think it's going to come to an end now. I'm tipping the Saints in a close one. And Fraser, I'm just going to ask you as well, and before you ask, yes, I will keep this in the in the final uh, in the final uh, edit. Um, I'll let you speak about your Brisbane St Kilda tip, and then I'll ask you about the next game on Sunday, North Melbourne versus GWS at Marble Stadium. Um, while I go and look for my charger because my computer's about to die. No worries, Fred, listener, no worries. Doesn't matter if you're running an uber successful podcast like me, uh, you are still woefully unprepared for doing a podcast 99% of the time. So I'll let you go away, uh, get get going with it, Fraser. Two games. We'll get stuck in, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty uh, exciting matchup, Brisbane and St Kilda for mine. Um, looks to be, should be, um, a cracker. St Kilda off the bye will be uh, keen to regain the momentum they took into the break. Um, while Brisbane off their loss to Freo will be keen to bounce back in a big way at home, where they've won 14 of their last 15, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken. Um, St. Kilda is still very much in the frame for top four if they uh, play their cards right. Um, but they'll need to win games like this if they want to stay up at the pointy end of the ladder. Similar to what Casper said, um, I'm not totally sold on St. Kilda yet. Um, two and a half kind of quarters to three at the most seems to be getting the buy at the moment. And when they do play four quarters, it's a kind of a surprise for mine. But um, they have to set the Lions at Metricon last year, so we know they can play the conditions in Queensland well. Um, but for mine, uh, not, not, not going with Casper on this one. I've got Brisbane as still a class above. Um, I feel like St Kilda probably has to play um, at least at least three good quarters to have a chance here, and I'm not sold on them being able to do it. Um, Brisbane should flex their muscles here and win by around 15 points. A side note is that Brisbane have been playing a lot of close games recently. I think their last three have all been decided by under 15 points. So um, fingers crossed we get a we get a cracker there on Saturday night. In terms of moving on to Sunday with North Melbourne GWS, um, media speculation that the AFL is nervous that this game might attract 
below 10,000 people, 10,000, I thought to myself, um, me and Casper, we both love the footy, but who is paying to watch this? Not I, I say. North have lost their last eight games, I think, by north of 40 points every time. GWS has showed some good signs under their new coaching regime headed by Mark McVay and looked like they'll be able to get something out of the um, back end of the season after making the decision to move on from Leon Cameron. Um, it kind of shows the importance of not sticking with a coach when you think it's time to move on and hopefully they can kind of string a few games together. They looked really good against Brisbane, I thought. Um, they led by 30 points in that game um, before the Lions paid them back for a 14-point win. But that form still reads far better than what um, North Melbourne dished up. Not that that is a hot take in any sense of the word. Um, North and GWS drew the last time um, these two met. And I'm pretty sure Dave Noble would be chuffed if they got that result this time around. I can't see them getting anywhere near the Giants here. I've got the Giants by 10 goals. What about you, Casper? What are you thinking, man? I heard about 5% of what you just said, but I fully <laughs> agree with you. Um, this could... Uh... So I think I've gave my, yeah, I think I gave my, yeah, I did. Okay. I gave my bread movie St. Kilda too. As yeah. Monday, I mentioned that Fremantle Hawthorne might be the easiest game to pick. I lied. I think that it's going to be this game. I thought you uh, lied too. Yes. Sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> this could be the lowest crowd at Marvel Stadium in a non-COVID year since 2015, when in round 23, the Demons and the Giants played in front of just under 9,000 people in Daniel Cross's last AFL game. You remember Daniel Cross? God, that's a blast from the past. A player, a player, absolutely a player. Great player. Honestly, North Melbourne, he hasn't played, I think, a competitive game of football since 2015. Ask him to put on a jumper for you guys this weekend. He can't – he hasn't played AFL footy since 2015. He can't be half as bad as the 90% of players that you have on your list at the moment. Look, I've only tipped the Giants by four goals, but that's more so because the Giants are doing pretty bad this year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants won by 50 points or so. But I'm going conservative. I'm tipping them by four goals. And the fact that that's a conservative tip is a sad indictment on the North Melbourne football. <laughs> now, good job, Fraser. Well done, mate. Um, so, thought, you did, thought you did well from the little bit that Thanks I Thanks for letting me steer the ship, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Sometimes as uh, sometimes as captain, you got to let the co-pilot take over a little yeah. bit. Um, well said. Well said. Yeah, not to be. God, that makes me sound like that makes me sound pretentious, doesn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Anyways, um, not look. You did very well. I even had time to go get the orange juice. Um, oh, beautiful. I need orange juice to talk about this next game: Collingwood versus Melbourne. Oh, and just like that orange juice, it looks like a delicious matchup. <laughs> Now, <laughs> Collingwood coming off hot form. Three great wins in a row. Fremantle and Perth, six-goal win. They trail Carlton, no problem, five-point win against the arch in front of 80,000 people. Give up a big lead against Hawthorne to trail comfortably themselves, no problem, come back and beat Hawthorne. Bang, just like that, pow, pow, pow. They are like a guy... In a closed in a closed room with nowhere for flies to escape, with a fly zapper at the moment, they're just going zap, 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 right? Dead fly, dead fly, dead fly, everywhere, standing above the body of the conquered flies. That is Collingwood at the moment. With that being said, they do come up against the reigning premiers, backs against the rope, 
That's against the wall. Fraser, I'm torn about this one. Go on, convince me one way or another. I think I've made a bit of a no, it's not, no circuit. I'm taking all, all your Melbourne stock. Give it all to me, please. Um, <laughs> Collingwood, they just got over the line against Hawthorne, but they have won their last three. Um, first two coming against Frio and Carlton, both really good um, good wins. Um, and they've shown that their best is capable of giving Melbourne a good run here, um, especially if Melbourne isn't something close back to their best. The Pies have also had the wood over Melbourne in recent times. They've won five of the last six. And I don't think you can um, discount that. But I, I can't in good conscience tip against Clayton Oliver and Max Gorn. Um, the latter, um, as I said earlier, was genuinely one of the best games I've ever seen live. Peter Laddams, of course, is now All-Australian, but Gorn, just another level. Three goals, 28 disposals, nine marks, and 30 hitouts. Darcy Cameron um, had a great game himself on Sunday. But uh, Gorn is on another planet to Ned Reeves. Um, agree with you, mate, that it's a really interesting matchup. Should be really close, especially with no Stephen May. I feel like if Stephen May was playing, similar to what you said with Jacob Wiedering, if Stephen May is playing, I'm tipping Melbourne by four goals. But because he's not there and with everything that's happened in the last few days, um, I think Dee's in a tight one. I'd say Melbourne by six points. Have I convinced you, mate? Not really. I can't imagine. Oh. Look, I think it's going to be it's going to be tight. It's going to be a great game of football either way. I've got here this pamphlet um, for this play um, Chinese this Chinese play uh, called I don't know whether this it, Shen Yun. It says here China before communism. Um, it says here against incredible odds, uh, ancient inspiration for today. It sounds pretty interesting. You want to go and see this? Um, oh, we might right? have to lock me in, lock us in, lads. And unfortunately, too late. It was in April, but never. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> only two months late the reason why, right. right the reason why sorry i set you up for that one the reason why i brought it up is because it says here the little um little list of uh, quotes from different publications about this right from a publication called stage whisperers never heard of it but anyways no. it says here entertainment of the highest order an exemplary display of excellence which i think is exactly what this game of football is going to be when you have two teams inside the top eight, one playing terribly, but that team is the best team in the competition, and I reckon perform often even better when their bats are against the wall, up against a young, hot start, rebel Collingwood, led by the likes of a, of a peacock feather-strutting Jack Genevin. Well, my trademark bet description there of Jack Genevin, that's pretty good if I do say yeah, that. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, this could be the game of the year. And that's saying a lot considering how many great games of football we've had. I hope we get at least 70,000 people to this game because I reckon it's fully needed. Sure. Any Melbourne supporters out at the ski fields, right, get get your backsides in your car, right, leave the ski fields. There'll be snowing there for a while yet. Get back to Melbourne. If you live overseas, drop whatever you're doing, catch a flight to Melbourne as soon as possible. Collingwood fans... You know what? We don't need more Collingwood fans in Melbourne. If you're a Collingwood fan and you live outside of Melbourne, stay where you are. But if you're a Melbourne supporter outside Melbourne, come back and get to the football. We need as many people to this game as possible. I think it's going to be a great game of football because it's the reigning premiers and because I trust them and their experience in big games more than I do Collingwood. I am reluctantly tipping Melbourne by five points. Welcome aboard, man. 
Now, <laughs> in the end, I think you did and end up convincing me pretty well there, right? <laughs> um, to answer your question. Now, uh, which game are you most looking forward to and why? Which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout? Most looking forward to Brisbane and St Kilda. I think it should be a, a really good game. I think that's the safest pick for a good game um, of the round with St Kilda coming off a bye and Brisbane um, off a loss. Both teams should be um, up for this one. And um, yeah, that should be that should be a really interesting game with both teams still in the kind of, obviously Brisbane almost did have to think almost a certain the top four, but St Kilda is still very much in calculations there as well. So for mine, that is definitely... Um, the match I'm looking mo- most forward to. Um, biggest blowout, uh, no no um, brainer here. Giants off a bye against what has been a horrendous North Melbourne outfit. I've got the Giants by a billion. I think it might be the biggest. Uh, by, uh, by a billion? Yeah, by a billion, if you can believe it. Mate, don't no, don't rule it out. <laughs> what about you, mate? What do you think? You see, you're still taking the end, though, in that one. <laughs> um, no, look, right? Um I think the Giants by billion and one. No, I'm joking. Um, in terms of the game I'm most looking forward to, I think I'm probably going to go with the uh, Queen's Birthday Clash. Always a big nice. occasion. It'll be great to see the, um, the the big freeze slide and Neil Danaher, what a legend he is. Um, if you haven't yet, go out and buy Beanie. Contribute money is a great cause. Um, as for um, the game biggest blowout, you know what? It probably is a no-brainer judo is North moment, but I like to be different. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying Hawthorne to lose to Fremantle is the biggest buy. You did say that. So, yeah, well said. Back yourself in, mate. Praise him, mate. It was a blast. Um, we set through uh, references to uh, Chinese theatre. We set through me getting a drinks break. We set through all that, mate. Wouldn't have picked anyone else um to to sit through it other than you i hope you have a good week um and uh yeah nevertheless hopefully it's a good weekend of football absolutely mate the through the banner podcast come for the footy chat stay for the chinese theater references so um (laughs) thanks for having me mate and uh i'll speak to you soon oh dear listener thank you for listening to this episode of the through the banner podcast this week is china next week might be ancient greece who knows <laughs> uh join join me next week as uh as the trip around the world with occasional football references known as the through the banner podcast continues as me and a co-host will review the second round of the by round then preview round 14 until then how do you say goodbye in chinese again oh good question uh You've got me stumped, man. You've got me dead. Yeah, I've, no, I've got absolutely no idea. So instead, I think I'll just go with, I'll just go with Spanish. Adios. Yeah.